Amos, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for making time for this. Uh, apologies welcome, again man. for my confusion a minute ago. Um, no stress. I have a lot of questions about uh, a lot of questions about the album and about the history of the band and stuff like that. But I want to start with Ooh. the video for the War of Being, which I, yeah, I feel like is maybe the most visually impressive thing I've ever seen from a band <laughs> in your genre. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's this like eleven minute long epic that looks looks like a cutscene from you know a, a PS5 game. This super high production value thing with these samurai fighting and stuff. Tell me, how did all that come together, and how in the world did you pay for that? Well, I mean, our label was very much behind the project, and I think the thing about this album is like, oh, come on, let's not fuck around. Let's just really do this. And you've kind of got to back up an 11-minute track with right. some weight. There's so much, like so many visual elements to this album that when we i mean it, it honestly it took about two years to get that particular video off the ground oh wow uh, yeah we went to so many different people and in the end went back to the people that we'd spoken to originally <laughs> which were uh, two filmmakers from milwaukee uh called kyle and steven and they work for found format films were they, they fans are, of the band or well I mean, yeah, we, but we, we've known them for, I don't know, like five or six years now. And they've, they've already done one video for us and oh, they've done okay. a couple of videos for our singer when he's working on his solo stuff. Got so it. we knew the guys very well and we knew their work was going to match the sort of quality that we wanted. But to be honest, this was both, for both of us, this was a territory that none of us had uh, really trodden before which was completely cg or at least uh cg and some green screen green screen stuff to get the band involved yeah uh yeah so it was it was quite something and it was really cool to see the behind the scenes footage because it's actually two uh swordsmen from the midwest who um we we did like loads of motion capture of their actual performance so it was all choreographed and crazy that it, it turned out capturing uh, something as cool as it did. But yeah, it, we, we ended up paying for it because the label yeah. were fully behind it. And yeah, it, it wasn't cheap, but it's already done some good work for us. So I feel, yeah. like, feel like it was worth it. And yeah, like I say, backed up the statement of, all right, here you go. Here's yeah. 11 minutes. You, know? <laughs> you, you can't have 11 minutes of, you know, rocking out in a warehouse jesus no could you imagine <laughs> what would that be like I just, wow that would be um terrible that really wouldn't be terrible yeah well from what i've read about what you guys uh, were sort of thinking with the album it feels like the visuals were kind of always a big part of this and it really does feel like that with the video. It it feels, I don't know if the song was written with visuals in mind, but it certainly feels that way watching the video. Yeah, so interestingly, the song is kind of the only non-specific uh, story element to the new album because there's a narrative behind it, mm -hmm. whereas this song kind of fits into more of a general vibe. So as well as it being you know, a statement, it was also, it made the most sense to have a song that was non-specific. 
and it, it, it almost is about the character of the world that we're trying to build. Uh, so the visuals, I mean, they were there from day one of being in the studio. We had a, a wall behind us with, you know, 20 or 30 uh, images that we had created so we could visualize and mm. kind of really create, really bring the ideas to life instead of having them as an abstract yeah. of words that we're just throwing around the room they became something that certainly Dan and Cat, uh, the vocal producer they could really uh, find the emotion behind these characters and without being too pretentious you know really try to bring them to life at least in their mind and in the band's mind when we were putting this thing together and really quickly, I also wanted to mention my Patreon. If you like what I do on YouTube and everywhere else, joining my Patreon really helps me do this full time and worry less about videos getting demonetized by YouTube or copyright claimed by labels. Patrons get all my podcasts and main channel videos early. There are members only channels in my Discord that I'm super active in. I also do giveaways. For example, I've been giving away a lot of Emo's Not Dead merch. And you can also have me review your music, artwork, or anything else. All you need to do is join my Patreon at the $10 level. And then every month I do a call for submissions. If you want me to review something, just drop it in the comments of that post. And then I will review it live on Twitch. So if any of that sounds cool to you, hit the link in the description of this video. And I appreciate your support. Well, I'm admittedly kind of a literalist and I'm not very good at, you know, understanding narrative and subtext and things like that. Um, and so that's interesting to hear because I, I feel like most of the time with concept albums, they lose me personally. And again, I, oh, I don't man, think I'm same. great at them, but no, it's because I, same, I feel like people don't go far enough with it. It's like, okay. Do you, do you know what I mean? If you're going to make a concept album, make a concept yeah. album. Yeah. I mean, you know? yeah, again, don't fuck around, make it right. Um, right. Not just adhere to the idea, but own up, own it, you know, right. Say that, okay. Whilst, I mean, there's a caveat here. Don't, don't pigeonhole yourself into a corner and say, right, this has got to be A follows B follows C. Right. You've built the world and honor the world, but um, always do what's best for the song. So I, I get you from that perspective that you've got to really be, you've got to commit to it. You've got to just right. be like, okay, right. we are doing this within this world and the things that we're going to talk about are actually going to be through these characters' uh, eyes, and we're going to try to understand how they would react in this scenario. But always do what's right for the song, otherwise you're probably going to have a quite limited, shitty album. To be honest, right. and I, yeah, I'm hoping that's not what we've got. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. I don't think it came across that way at all. Because you do sort of. There are people, like you said, that kind of maybe paint themselves into a corner where you feel like you're. Yeah, listening man. to like a narration of you know a comic book or something like that which there's nothing wrong with that i suppose but that isn't what yeah. i'm looking for either like i don't feel there's any emotion in um the war of the worlds um concept uh yeah. album or the retelling of um the hd Wells book i think the book is great i think the narrative is great i don't think the music has anything beyond pomp and circumstance it's, right it's a fantastic thing but um it's missing the emotion that you it can doesn't have stand on its own as music 
I, I worry that it would it doesn't. No, at least to me it doesn't. I know right. to many people they love it, and I'm sure I've upset some people with that statement, but it doesn't carry the weight of, say, something like the movie Alien. You could perhaps present that in musical form, not Alien the musical. Mm-hmm. That's shit. That's a bad idea. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I feel like that could- would work at Vakken, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you could have an immersive in between alien the pirate bands. Experience. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's see what uh, Napalm Records have got up their sleeves. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we you mentioned the concept, and from what I was reading, um, I think it was you that said um, it's about fighting to forgive yourself for mm. being you, which yeah. was an interesting idea to me because I personally feel like I'm always kind of fighting not to be myself because I feel like maybe I'm telling myself this and and maybe it's true. Maybe it's not, but I feel like that Mm. when I express myself authentically, people usually don't like it. Um, so tell me more about this concept because I'm intrigued by what you said. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this may highlight something about us as a band. We're quite insular and we're also fairly concerned about the impact we have upon other people when we meet them in you've just expressed that as well that you you have an empathy for how you impact upon a scenario um Mm -hmm. so you change the way you do things um i think we as a band have always done the same we have always considered how we are being perceived when when creating music it is a cliche but you should not do that you should be honest otherwise you are part of a scene and will die with that scene right Um, unless you somehow stumble upon some just incredible uh innovative um approach like say you know bands like the deftones had a different approach to the rest of new metal but they were still new they still are new metal i mean there's Um, like that small small subset of bands that yeah you know kind of fit in with a scene yet also seem to do whatever the fuck they Mm. want and become wildly successful you know Avenged sevenfold another example yeah Uh, if you can if you can pull it off good for you but um there's not many of them i i think to be like that uh i'm not gonna say it's brave because that sounds you know it's blowing smoke up my own ass but i'm gonna say that it's you've got to be afraid you've got to not be afraid to walk away from a situation musically um uh it's almost a bit like a negotiation so there's Mm -hmm. you've definitely got to kind of stand your ground a little and i feel that tesseract in the past we maybe have released songs to fill up an album that we weren't completely happy with, or we held back. So mm-hmm. I think we really held back with some things because we were like, oh, maybe when, you know, that's not going to fit. What to, would be an uh, example of something that you held back? Well, I mean, the you, every album has one example where we've allowed the emotion to be very raw and very real like the first album has a track called april that's about something that is very real that was an incident that um happened to our singer when he was a policeman many lifetimes ago and it is about a real event um i feel like there's 
tracks like that on every album. You've got Beneath My Skin on the last album, which is, again is talking about instead of trying to create an emotion, it's talking about something real. Um, but they are the anomaly on the album, whereas I, I believe see. this album, although we have created a fantastic magical world to, that it exists within, it's actually talking about the life that we have personally lived, the emotions that we've experienced, the conflict and the dissonance that we're dealing with still um, as a result of the choices we've made in our life. So I, I feel when I talk about that, I'm saying actually what we're doing now is not just musically being where we want to be, but also from a lyrical point of view, talking about um, things that mean something very deeply to us. And I, I'm, I do wonder if we're going to struggle with them when we perform them, because maybe they're going to stir up a lot of emotions. And um, it, it's going to be hard. Like certainly there's mm -hmm. one track that I find really hard to not get carried away with the emotion. And I'm wondering how I'm going to perform this night after night without really feeling that thing. Sure. Um, and it's a shame. I don't want to not feel it because it's, it's a wonderful journey for me personally. And I, I do hope I don't end up becoming a little numb to it or, you know, having to shut it away but i, I certainly don't want to have to experience that every night <laughs> well you said something interesting about sort of it being a negotiation and and yeah. that you have to be willing to walk away or willing to sure. i guess yeah. deal with the consequences good mm -hmm. or bad of being yourself yeah. um and, and i feel like that's an important thing because there's this kind of story that i wish was true of like oh just be yourself and ultimately mm. you'll be rewarded for that and everyone's going to love you for it because the world wants your true authentic self no i don't think yeah. that's true maybe that's true for some people i yeah. definitely don't think that's true for everybody mm. what do you think about that well i would suggest that um in reference to the concept it is the struggle to be happy with that um, regardless of the consequences, mm -hmm. that's that's kind of more of where I'm coming from with that. Yeah. So you know, to look at the things that you've been through, the ups and the downs, to realize your part in that, and to realize the path that you were trying to either avoid or stay upon. Because again, that's part of it. It's the fact of trying to say stay true to yourself is really difficult, especially if you're in you, you go into a relationship, for example, you become a part of something else. Mm -hmm. And it's great if you manage to be two people that are uh, walking down the same path and, and retaining an identity. But if you kind of merge, that's bad in my experience because you kind of lose yourself. And certainly when you find yourself splitting, uh you find yourself going back to somebody and you're yep. like, oh hang on this was me oh, right why, why did i let that person go you right know, um and it's a bit like with music it's like you why did you do this in the first place you had an idea and you had a dream or you had a personality musically that can get lost along the road um and i, I really feel that it's 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 a struggle to remember that and to find that again. And I guess 
that might be what uh, is the dream to be able to stick to that and to still have a career whilst doing it but appreciate that maybe old fans might not like it or maybe you're sure. not going to pick up new fans maybe you're going to be becoming more niche and sure. you've got no choice though because otherwise you might end up playing songs for the rest of your life that you dislike and maybe to people that you're not that happy with playing yeah. to who knows you know? <laughs> yeah nobody nobody got into music to do that um no it is interesting though that in you know we'll, we'll call your genre progressive metal it's yeah. interesting that in the so-called progressive world mm. you know I, I feel like there are some pretty rigid expectations and boundaries isn't it a weird irony that right it's kind almost, of a conservative genre it can be yeah um i feel that there are so many expectations of also prejudice is the wrong word but um people expect things to be a certain way and when they're not they get pissed yes and that is wild surely progressive music should be whatever the hell that band wants to do that's the um, whole point of it right it should be yeah but it, like if you want to write a straightforward two and a half minute pop song that should have. be okay yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, it yeah. does or if you want to write a 15 minute long epic yeah that's yeah, okay yeah. too it, and it you could do both i think i think it should be part of the scene but like you say uh I think it's the case with a lot of heavy music, though. It's yeah. Maybe we're, we're all squished into little niches and we become quite protective of that. I guess you have to ask yourself the question, why do people love something? And what happens when they do love something intensely? They, maybe that's the reason why things can get quite rigid or you end up getting more and more niche sometimes. Um, so I, I think I, I've read about this quite a bit. I yeah. read some studies about this. It's pretty interesting. Mm. Um, it has become more and more apparent to me that in the world of metal, especially like yeah. the more progressive sort of technical branches of it, um, yeah. what a big role autism plays. Because Holy shit. So I'm, and I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. joking. I'm not putting it down. No, no. Like for real. We've had so many deep discussions about this. Um, members of families like uh people's kids have um been diagnosed yeah and also we're sat in a room thinking and i know it's difficult to self-diagnose but there's some unusual divergent attitudes in this room for sure within the band and it's very interesting the people that you meet you meet some people that you think oh i hope that person has like the perspective they need to get around life yeah because they're gonna they're gonna hurt a lot of people without realizing or they're oh, going i to certainly mis- have yeah I, so which I is the, right that there, basically like what i said about the concept yeah, yeah. that's what i realize is like it doesn't work for me to be myself yeah, i get you. that the world does not reward that and i'm yeah. not saying that's right or wrong it just is what it is like yeah that doesn't work for me and, you know, I, I talked to my psychiatrist about it and I asked, uh-huh. you know, took a little test yeah. and he's like, yeah, you might be a little bit on the spectrum. It's not, yeah. doesn't seem to be getting in the way of your life too much. So I wouldn't worry about it. Mm. But once I realized that about myself, I started seeing it in other people. There's been some studies about mm. this, but basically, the basically like, do you know the term stimming? Um, please explain. Um, so I, I might sorry. do a bad job of explaining it, no, but no, for, for people on the spectrum, yeah. like, when they do things like 
you know, fiddle with something uh, or, or whatever, yeah. but it can be like a, like it's a sensory thing. And so for a lot totally. of people on the spectrum, like listening to really complex technical mm. music is a form of stimming. And I yeah. thought about that back when I used to write code, I would listen to like super brutal death metal for like hours mm. while nice. I was writing code. Cause I actually calmed my brain down. Fascinating, isn't it? Cause yeah, my brain is at its calmest when the situation is fucked up. Right. Like I'm literally, um, if things are all falling to crap, that's when I'm kind of in the zone. When everything's working and everything's peaceful, I mean, this is an example of anxiety more than anything, but this is does stem from a fact that there's, there's a masking happening. Yes. Because you've learned to cope with scenarios and uh, you've learned to hide this because people don't appreciate that it, yeah. there's, a, there's a chaos inside that isn't shown on the outside. And we talk about this with our yeah. mask. Like, my partners have had no idea of the crap that's going on in my head because I've just been, that's how it's I probably better if they don't. cope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's the intrusive thoughts are going to get you into trouble yeah. someday. But it's, it's only recently that I've been okay with sharing those things. And that's part of the process, I think, is letting it come out in stories, letting it come out in music, and hopefully encouraging other people to understand themselves. They don't need to share it. They just need yeah. to learn. Don't look at yourself in the mirror because that's judgmental, but just be okay with the things and don't allow them to become poisonous, negative. Um, be understand that the, you're not perfect and it's all right to understand your, the things that you've done in the past that weren't you being a bad person. Right. They were, you've just, you were dealing with a different reality to somebody else in that same scenario. And that's how you behaved. Uh, I think you kind of lose a lot of shame which is a horrible, horrible thing. It's like a stain upon your memories that colors everything. And it, it can, to, to be able to let that go from having an effect upon your contemporary world is vitally important. You can still feel it, but not letting it affect you in the same way, not letting it reach out from those dark moments, and literally have hands around your throat or cause you to change the way you're doing things. Uh, if you can realize that and be okay with how it affected you, that's a really cool thing because it just gives you, it, it's not a magic fix, but it is, right. um, it's part of the fight that it's, it's the weapons you now have to fight, to keep you on your path, as opposed to walking into a gunfight with just your fists, which uh, I'll be honest, man, it feels like that sometimes. Every day. You know, I used to think I was an asshole because a lot of people thought I was an asshole. You know what I mean? In a situation. Yeah, yeah, but what I realized is that my brain just literally works different from other people. And I was watching a different movie than they were. That, that's Do you it. know what I mean? You, your perception of things was altered yeah um or your understanding of things and it wasn't different. that i was wrong or they were no, wrong no we were just watching different movies and reacting accordingly totally 
Totally. It, it, is that not one of the issues that we're having to deal with so much now is that the, uh, the focus is upon um, not understanding that, you know, right. thinking that, that things are so diaposed from each other, right. like, but I'm right, I'm right. I mean, the only truth is that we all have different opinions in yeah. that respect. So it's a, it's a, re it's a real struggle, man. Um, and I, I guess that's some of the strong emotions that we're experiencing now and the, uh, the things that have inspired Tesseract to jump into that weird world of um, looking at ourselves instead of looking at society. Uh, I think previous albums were more almost us being judgmental whereas right. this uh, this album well it's easier right yeah i mean but it it, it is the struggle <laughs> much man. easier to say it's their problem yeah yeah or to go oh there's something wrong there like, yeah uh maybe i was wearing some glasses that made me think there was something wrong there yeah there could be something wrong sure. there but why am i feeling this right why exactly. am i thinking that I, I think that's where we're at now i could have done with that 20 years ago though <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, better, better late, better late than never, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It, it yeah. made some fun art along the way. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of the natural progression. You know, growing up, I was into, you know, a lot of punk and stuff like that. And, you yeah. know, all those songs are, you know, they're not wrong about pointing all, pointing out all the, you know, injustices and whatnot in the world. Yeah. They're like, th those are real things. Yeah. But as I get older, I was like, is it really helping anyone for all of us to just like list out all these things that are wrong? Like maybe a yeah. little bit, but, but you reach the point of diminishing marginal returns on that pretty quickly yeah. of like raising awareness. Like, yeah. okay, awareness has been raised. Now what, you know, what and that's the part. <laughs> yeah. That's the part where most people kind of tap out. Yeah. This Cause is it's it. hard. It's great to understand the uh, differences, but I think, things only get done when there's a common ground found yeah um which is kind of working against finding differences or you know work finding the diff or walking into a room and going hey that's that's different um, yeah is and trying to browbeat someone into agreeing with you no it's not it's gonna, just that has never worked ever i don't think so no no it's all you're doing is creating somebody that harbors some hatred because they feel they've not been heard Right. And they haven't or, been. No, this is it. They've not been given a place around the table. This is why, like, in the UK, we have, we don't have representation of any, uh, anything that's outside of the mainstream in right. terms of like politics and that we have even the, the theater of parliament, for example, mm -hmm. is about people st stood on the opposite sides of a table shouting at each other right well no wonder everybody hates everybody because yep. like they've got a place around the table but there's two sides like uh come on let's let's try to have proportional representation of people's opinions it doesn't matter how small and niche their opinion is at least they've got a voice and i i do wonder if that's where a lot of our troubles stem from that right from the root we're talking from a perspective as if it's black and white, you know, a, a, right. a subject, I mean to say, as if there's a, a right and a wrong, there's surely no, there's a, um, there's a what's happening now rather than a, 
an, a universal truth to it. Well, politically, I think it scores more points to just dig in your heels and accuse mm. whatever the enemy, blame everything wrong on the enemy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, that's politically the better strategy rather mm. than trying to find compromise. I mean, people don't True. really reward that because I think, uh, not to get too like philosophical yeah. Or, yeah. or whatever, but um, I think a lot of the way that human psychology works was, was created in a world that doesn't resemble the world in which we live in now. In other words, it was rational yeah. to be afraid of outsiders 20,000 yeah. years ago, if you saw yeah. somebody, you know, out on the plains, they, you know, when you're both hunting saber-toothed tigers, they might try totally. to kill you. And so it's rational to be afraid of outsiders in that situation. We don't live in that world anymore, but no. our brain still does. Yeah, society hasn't quite caught up, has it? Which right. Which is going to be an interesting next sort of... Uh, we need a firmware update. We sure do, man. And I mean, <laughs> we're, we're going to have one imposed upon us, I think, simply right. by the state of things. There's going to be a complete paradigm shift in how we live. So, yeah, I guess we're, we're going to have to figure that one out pretty, pretty yeah. quick. And it certainly well, won't be dust, dusty old men that figure it out. I think it's going, to be, um, uh, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, not just from politics, but from art as well. Yeah. Where is music going to go in a world that is dangerous as hell where is what is art going to represent and uh, i'm i'm hopeful because I, I think it always lives on the fringes at the best mm -hmm. or the best art lives on the fringes at the best of times so what's it going to be like when because looking at the horrors of like the last century i'm not sure i know the art that was happening at that point because i guess there wasn't a way for it to be distributed in but now we've got instant yeah. uh, access to art from the furthest reaches of like the most rural parts of the world. Right. So right. it's going to be pretty interesting if art drives people in like we were just discussing. I think it does. I mean, yeah. it, it, maybe it's hard to point to any one piece of art at any one point in time and say, after this song or movie came out, every sometimes that happens. But in aggregate, I mean, I remember, you know, growing up in the yeah. 80s, all the movies were about, you know, toxic waste, the Russians yeah. and aliens, you know, yeah. like interstellar aliens. Yeah. And it's and, you know, like the threat of like nuclear war, because that was hanging over everybody's head yeah. at the time, you know. And, and so you can really see from the art at any given moment where people's yeah. heads were at. And what things they were like existentially terrified of. Oh God. I mean, what's going to come out in the next few years? <laughs> I mean, everyone's terrified of everything, you know? <laughs> this is the worry. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. mean, I suppose if, if we end up just loving the most hedonistic crap, then that maybe. Which that's we will, a, because our brains are optimized for that. Our brains are optimized for a world in which resources are scarce, you know, true. eat as much as you can, Fuck as quickly as you can so you can reproduce before you yeah. die. You know? True, true. Uh, I just hope um, some good some some good music comes out of it because <laughs> I don't want to just be constantly listening to stuff from 40, 50 years ago and jam into that. I want I want something fun from the here and now. And I'm not sure I'm hearing it. Just I'd be yet. curious to know what you think about this. And and I totally recognize that I might just be an old person and it's it, it, it's totally possible mm. however i've never been the person to say i don't like new music i generally prefer no, new no. music to old music that's just cool. not 
how my brain works. Right. However, I do sort of wonder, at least in regards to popular music, yeah. um, popular meaning, you know, rock, yeah. pop, you know, whatever, um, any of that stuff, as opposed yeah. to like, you know, classical music or whatever. Yeah. I kind of wonder what is there really left to be done? Mm. You know, I don't feel like specifically in the last 10, like five or 10 years, like there was so much experimentation. Yeah. We've made music as extreme as it could possibly be. True. Like, what is there left to do in any genre beyond just remix things? Well, maybe it's going to become less about the presentation and more about the content. Mm -hmm. You know, you have some different cultures have different approaches to pop. Uh, let's take Arabic popular music. Quite a lot of it traditionally was more about the lyrics and more about what yeah. was being said. Your pop star, uh, in places like Egypt, may not have been your traditional pretty skinny gal. Um, in fact, I've definitely been, worked on a session when I was a younger engineer where the, the artist was... Um, definitely not a pinup okay more, that's interesting it was and her voice was not even that great but uh -huh. she was a poet i couldn't I tell you because it was in arabic but yeah. um i was being told that she's a poet so i'm, I'm sitting there going this is really interesting because these people are spending an awful lot of money on something that is not a western ideal hmm. of a pop star this is pretty cool yeah um, Will that be the case for us? Will we start to gravitate to worrying less about the package and worrying less about the, because we've run out of different ways to present it, quite right. frankly. Right. Um, and will it become more about the content or will it become simply a case of, I need this dopamine kick, yeah. this nutrient of pop. I don't care. It's, I don't care what it is. It's just fitting this box because this does happen already. And, you know, maybe we've gone through generations of the same shit over and over, Yeah, but it serves the purpose. And I, I'm not actually saying this is a negative thing. It serves the purpose for the community and that's perfectly okay with me, mm -hmm. you know, cause I can go and enjoy something on a level that is about bringing people together just as much as I can go and enjoy something deep that is more of an introspective personal journey. And they're both equally valid. Um, I don't know how one stays interesting beyond a certain point of your life. Though. Right. Perhaps you need variation or perhaps it's natural to just go through it. Like we were talking about earlier, the evolution of a human through music is quite fascinating because you certainly don't always like the things you liked when you were a child. Um, some of them hold value yeah. though. Is it just nostalgic value or do they have a depth to them? And, um, I think maybe some of the older music that hold, that still has an anchor in you has a depth to it. Yeah. And it, it is more about that rather than the, oh, I had a great time or that was a wicked party that I first heard this. So maybe the longevity of certain things will stick out but we have a problem how do we hear these things yeah how do we because there's a million channels now and it's great that everybody now has their niche 
but like we were discussing earlier, that niche creates walls. How do we break yeah. those down and have access to something that's on the other side of the valley um, or over the hill, shall we say, that we can't directly hear or see? How do we keep an open mind? Um, that may be the biggest uh, impediment to an artist, in fact. I think there's like a set of people who just sort of inherently seek out new things, which I would yeah. say I'm one of those people. Like, cool. doesn't mean that I don't like the things I used to like. It's just kind of like, well, I, I, I know that I like that. I don't need to listen to it a hundred more times. I would like something new, you know, yeah. for me personally. And I think there's a set of people who are just wired that way and that they will sort of yeah. inherently find that th those things. And they're the people that kind of help you know, they're the tip of the spear that helps spread these ideas. But to your point, you know, algorithms are sort of working in the opposite direction because most like people, it, it? You know, I mean, it's, it's it literally, I mean, you can read Google's white papers about this. That's literally yeah, how yeah. it works. You know, it gives you more of what you've demonstrated that you want. And True. from a, from the perspective of their business, that makes sense. Mm. I do think it's interesting. You mentioned with pop, you know, I feel like it's sort of bifurcated on the one hand, you've got, you yeah. know, your uh, whatever, just the most the, the uh, a set of stuff that just caters to your most base in, base instincts, you know, like WAP or whatever. And I'm not saying that stuff's bad. I like a lot of it. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I think there's a lot of pop that has probably the most lyrical depth and the most like genuinely like substantial ideas that have ever been put out in pop. You know, people mm -hmm. like dealing with like very real stuff about mental health and and whatnot yeah. in a way that wasn't really represented in pop until like the last 10 years. So I feel like it's kind of like one or the other. It's either pure yeah. dopamine or it's like really heavy shit. And I don't mean yeah. heavy, like yeah. chugga no, no, chugga. I, I mean like yeah. lyrically heavy. I guess it can only be a mirror to society. Yeah. Right. Which is, we have so many people who have uh, almost had generational trauma, you know, mm -hmm. the, they come from different, areas of society that have been repressed that are now finding a platform openly through pop instead of it being like uh you could interpret it that way right it's, right it's now it's it's all it's been commoditized commo oh, that's the wrong word um it's become a commodity almost for a label to sell under sure. a certain ideal for better um, or worse it, it probably I a little mean, bit of both yeah, totally. I mean, it, it's entirely dependent on the inv individual's interpretation of that. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, yeah. That's a fantastic thing, or it can be abused. I mean, um, look at like look drill rap. On the one hand, there's a lot yeah. of people who are, nobody would have been aware, for example, that there's like a gang war in Jacksonville, Florida, if it wasn't no. for drill rappers. True. On True. the other hand, those people also created a lot of violence. Yeah you know, or yeah. exacerbated it, you know? It's a, it's a strange angle, isn't it, to um, music becomes part of the uh, scene, if that makes sense. Life imitates art and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. It's such a weird that, you know, as well as showing wealth and that, you need to be able to show that you're a rapper or an artist. Um, it's something that's, uh, I, th I think, is really intriguing in that, that, it, the whole identity is the music becomes part of the identity yes. of yes, which is um, exactly the same as, say, a young metalhead 
picking well okay i've just made a big <laughs> leap there that is not entirely um but it's it following a sim, similar path that uh you identify through that to such a degree sure. that you have to not just imitate but you have to embody it which you know it's like say uh somebody who was listening to pantera wants to pick up a guitar yes there's a similar thing going on there Rappers um, buy chains, Polyphia fans buy guitars, but at the end of the day, <laughs> and they show them off, and at the end of the day, it's yeah, the same thing. There's an element of self-identifying through that yeah. that I agree with totally, yeah. And it's, I'm not saying either of those are good or bad, it's just, you know, going back to like, you just the older mm. I get, the more I just see these like sort of patterns yeah. of, it's it's neurology at the end of the day, you know, and I just... Yeah. It, I almost feel I, this is probably a very philosophical conversation that maybe you weren't wanting to have, but the, <laughs> I, I feel like it ties into a lot of the things you're talking about this album. It's the reason I bring it up. Yeah, the older yeah, I get, me. the more I just look at human beings as like wet machines. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Which I guess but is like I, a question of determinism. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, for us, the, we isolated ourselves when, producing this album we were in the middle of the countryside quite a long way from everything and as 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 far away as you can be in the uk you're still only you know an hour away from deep big cities but um the internet connection was spotty at best so we were definitely cut off and we're in this almost like this fantasy world and the the people on the production team were also very much they've been going through this process themselves. Uh, Peter Miles, the main producer, and Kat Marsh, the uh, vocal producer, they've been friends for a long time, and they've both been on a journey together, helping each other deal with their problems um, and also the, their differences to what might be considered mainstream. So they were also encouraging that in us, not actively pushing it, but the conversations were happening. The deep philosophical conversations were happening over fucking breakfast. So it shows you that we were in a place that if you're bringing that up over morning coffee, there's some (laughs) stuff that you need to talk about. And it was stuff that uh, the band has never had the time to do that. And I think we're all somewhat introspective in nature, but not inclined to share these things so this became a crucible for that sort of thing and it came out in a big way but in a positive way and it's maybe more a sign of you're just at that point in your life and we're all at that point in our life where we're like okay well who the who are we and that's i guess the whole reason for such a uh, textured approach to not just the music but also the ideas and the themes within it they're not just throwaway to us they're also not just pretense they're just us looking at ourselves and hopefully walking out the other end being okay with it well you mentioned having a vocal producer which is interesting to me because i think your genre is generally very focused on guitars and vocals kind of to a lot of people are sort of the a- an afterthought. Yeah. Clearly, you've put a lot of effort into the lyrics and the vocals, you know, throughout your career, but it seems like especially on this album. Yeah. Can you talk about that? 
I think you hit the nail on the head there, that there was a sense almost that it was an afterthought, whereas in this instance, there are many songs where we had the proto-lyrics and the full journey of those lyrics before the finished track. And normally what you'd have with a lot of the older Tesseract stuff is that you'd create the song almost independently of the vocals and the vocals would have to somehow fit in. Yeah, after. Here's the song, do your thing. Yeah. And that's not right for somebody of Dan, our vocalist's capacity. Yeah. He's great. I mean, I think he may be the, uh, the MVP for lack of a better term of this album. I agree with that. Yeah. I think, or at least he's been given the space to do what he can do. And not just that, he's been pushed as well to do that by the people we're working with. They, they kind of broke him down into some sense and put him back together in a way that was allowing him to not really have worry about stepping on people's toes. And because of the person that he is, he's, he wasn't doing that anyway. So it was somehow finding the confidence to allow him to be vulnerable, which is um, a really important gift that I hope he takes from this production to everything that he does. It doesn't just have to be Tesseract, it's all the other things that he does. I hope he can continue with that because it certainly kind of opened a door to, a, not a character, but a side of him that I think he should embrace, which is almost about trying less and just allowing more to come out um which is kind of the theme of the album right yeah again man just being being okay with the things that you want to say well it's interesting with like vocals because you know to that point it's like in every other genre of music the vocals are the centerpiece yeah and it's in it's almost like in this genre you have to be like hey it's it's all right if you want to like you know, if you want to be in the spotlight as the vocalist, like that's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I hear like the biggest word that came to me listening to this album was restraint, that it, it felt like you were doing exactly what you said is like making room for the vocals in a way that is very rare in this genre. True. But at the same time, allowing the moments for the music Oh, the instrumentation behind it yeah. to, I mean, our first single has about one minute, 10 seconds of instrumental. Sure. Uh, it's still which, Tesseract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not denying that at all. Uh, but definitely there are, there are some tracks on this album that would be shit without the vocal performance that are on them, that are part of it. See, I've fallen into a, an, an old way of, thinking there where i said the vocals that were exactly on top and that's exactly. wrong because yeah there's it's not, not the vocals and the music it's just no, the no. music they've got to be in accord with each other they have to hold hands and walk that path and it's it is still interesting that i'm still thinking about it as a you know two separate sure. entities they're not at all we are a complete band and we need to celebrate that and embrace that uh especially when you have somebody of Dan's capacity to, you know, the things he can do now um, that he could not do at the start of our career just shows the, 
the work that he's put in physically as a vocalist, because he can do all of that live, uh, which is something that isn't always possible for a lot of vocalists sure. in our scene. And it is a shame to see people work in the studio on their own and then struggle on tour. Now, of course, he's going to have trouble just with the nature of physical do, limitations and yeah, you, getting you tired six and all weeks that on stuff. Tour, yeah. Exactly. You, there's going to be some problems, but he's also at the point where he's almost, it's like looking at the marathon rather than the sprint. So I, I think that's, that's really cool. And it gives me a lot of confidence for the future because I think he's going to be able to continue doing these things as he ages. And we're all at the point of the midpoint of our uh, musical career, shall we say yeah. now. Um, so we're, we're no longer, we're aware that there's a shorter time scale in front of us maybe than there was behind. So we're, mm, we're to going to have it. to, uh, <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? But yeah. we, we're going to have to adapt the way we do yeah. things. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see if the intensity and the ferocity can be continued, but I think it can be because I think he, he's very much aware of that. And he's like, okay, can I do this in 10 years time? And what am I going to be able to, what am I going to have to do to make sure that that happens? But yeah, the, there certainly has been, maybe that is our contribution to the gent scene mm-hmm. that, uh, the melody as is a thing and it has to be a part of the music the the vocals are not just on top they are the music as well like you say i hope that's our contribution to the scene if so that would be a big one uh last last question i have for you um I feel like bass, as in bass guitar, is a bigger part of your sound than most bands in the genre, mm. um, where, you know, usually it's just sort of doubling the guitar and just sort of feels like just sort of the shadow to the guitar. Yeah. Um, whereas with you, you know, I, I, it feels like you think about your parts in a more nuanced way than that. How do you think about that? And like just the, the modern metal sound in general to me is mm. so much about the bass and kick drum locking in. And yet bass mm. oftentimes just really isn't thought of as its own instrument. How do you mm. approach that without being distracting and overplaying? Well, I would argue that up until very recently, I have perhaps been guilty of following a egoic path where I was mm. maybe more interested in what I could do on the bass than what I could do for the band. Mm-hmm. And I have pretty much had to destroy that i've had to burn that ego to be happy with um because it's not the amos williams experience it's the tesseract experience and that means everybody involved has to think uh as part of a whole rather than we're individuals we've spent an awful lot of time almost performing in isolation on stage we've got our own mixes we've got our own clicks and our own Mm -hmm. cues and we're doing our own thing and it's almost like up until quite recently we were perhaps five people just on stage and maybe again watching your own separate movies kind of man kind of and I, i feel like 
it's taken a lot to break us down and to uh, get us to um, not just be a part of the same thing, but be happy with who we are when we are in Tesseract, as opposed to, I want everybody here to know it's me. Right. Like, no, I, I want everybody to walk away and think that was an awesome Tesseract show rather than say, hey, that bassist is great. Because... <laughs> um, you know, I'm fully aware that I ain't that person. So um, I, I, I'm more happy. I'm happier to be a part of the group than I am to be a shining individual. And it, I mean, maybe I need to step up and be a better bass player to be that person as well, which is an interesting, um, an interesting thing to deal with because I, I feel like I've had to become a better musician to slide out of the mm -hmm. line, uh, out of the spotlight a little and to be a stronger uh, part of the band. It's like when you see the the backing musicians for these pop artists and you're oh, like, amazing. holy fucking shit, <laughs> yeah. this guy is good. And he's so you can't good. even see his face. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> and he so doesn't interesting. care. No, no, because he's having the time of his life. Yeah. You know, they're, they're getting paid to play awesomely. Yeah at the peak of the game you know that's yeah. uh that's something else isn't it great well i appreciate your time i'm excited for the album Same, and uh, we'll catch you, you next time. The time thank you take man. care that's really cool cheers ever wonder what a punch from elton john feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in nirvana or what signal keith richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>